Hello passengers, this is your captain speaking and welcome to the first episode of The One That Got A Gay. Coming out, you know, gives you the opportunity to discover who you are as a person in every part of your life. It opens a, a wave of creativity, a wave of openness and honesty and enjoyment that you will never get stuck in the closet. It just won't happen. So have you told your family you're gay yet? <laughs> um, I mean, buy a girl a drink first. Is that how is that seriously how we're starting this podcast? Well, it's taken you long enough to tell them, so <laughs> I want to know the answers to as to why. I would just like to say this was not the planned opening for this. Thank you so much for going so off piste so early on. Well, I thought we'd get to the jugular, you know? This podcast is all about understanding why it takes people so long to come out. So I'm putting it to you, Emily. Wow. And I'm it to you straight from the bat, off the bat, whatever the word <laughs> is I'm looking for here. Bat for the other team, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant. Well, I think our listeners are really getting to know our different personalities quite well quite early on. Mm. What are you trying to say about my personality? <laughs> Direct and to the point. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. I think absolutely. people will appreciate that on this, what will probably be quite a long-winded podcast. Yeah. I mean, this intro. Mm. <laughs> You've given a bit of a flavour of why we're here, but why don't you, in such a lovely direct way as you have, let people know what we are doing here? Well, if it isn't obvious already, Emily and I are gay. And <laughs> it took us a while to realise that. Maybe we realised it sooner than we told everybody else that we were gay, but it certainly was a bit of a time lag between that moment of realisation and that moment of coming out. And I think in today's society, particularly in liberal societies where the ones we frequent at the moment, people like to believe that every gay person knows they're gay at 12 and they come out at 17. That's kind of how things work for gay people in our society nowadays. And that's just not the truth. And there's plenty of people out there, you and I included, who do not have that experience and who took a little bit longer to get ourselves out of that closet. And we want to understand why is there that time lag for so many people still? And how can we dispel that myth a little bit that everyone's coming out at 17 and having and living their best lives? And for the record, no, not all my family know. But we'll get into that at a later date. <laughs> Too many issues. But to if you're listening, surprise! <laughs> So each week we're going to interview a new guest who took a little bit longer than the average person to come out. And if you look at the stats on this, essentially anybody born as a millennial, so anybody after 1986 or whatever it is. Yeah. Are you a millennial? Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, the average age for coming out is about 17. Yeah. But you and I both know, as we've already said, we didn't come out until we were 26. And lots of our friends and lots of people we're going to speak to as part of this podcast took a little bit longer than that to come out. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to delve in every week with a new guest and we're going to talk to them about what has held them back. Is it, you know, is it religion? Is it actually that as a society, we've not come as far as we think we had? Or maybe it's the fear of reaction from friends and family. And I think that ultimately, we would like this to be a resource for people that have maybe recently come out 
who are thinking of coming out and also for kind of allies as well. You might have had a friend or a family member and we want this to just be a group of mates getting together and having a good old chat. Well, I think the time has come. We need to put our money where our mouth is. We need to practice what we preach. And it is time for us to share our stories. So I've got one question for you, Al. Are you ready to rumble? I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Let's go. Once upon a time, there was a wee boy called Alex, and he lived in Surrey? I think it was Berkshire, technically. Oh, okay, brilliant. Well... The royal county. Just setting the scene there. But I do want to know, the first question that I have for you is, what is the first moment that you recall or you realised that you were having feelings that weren't stereotypical of other other boys your age? I would say my first memory is probably being maybe in my last year of primary school, so 11, maybe maybe 12, and being very attached to one of the other boys in my class. And in a way that was quite different to any of the other boys or particularly the girls. And of course, at that age, I had no idea what that meant. And it wasn't about the physicality of anything. It was just, I wanted to spend all my time with this boy. And he only lived around the corner to me. And we spent a, we did spend a lot of time together, but I, it wasn't an obsession. <laughs> that sounds a bit creepy, but I just wanted to spend lots of time with him. So now when I look back, I think that may have been sort of the, the early seeds maybe of, and the first example of when I started feeling a certain way. And then... I think it probably wasn't until maybe I was 15, 16 when real feelings started to happen where I was like, okay, it's now a a physical attraction too rather than just an emotional attachment. And I think that comes with puberty and all that kind of stuff anyway, Hmm. right? But Hormones coursing through your body. I can basically remember being with my mum, I think, in a department store in The Hague where we used to live in Holland and taking longer than is probably considered normal to vacate the men's underwear section. And I think I'd always kind of gravitate to that area of the men's department because obviously there's like thousands of pictures of semi-naked men. And I, I mean, I knew at that moment that there was a physical attraction. I think it was very scary and a bit strange and I didn't know where it was going to go, but it was definitely in my head. And then I don't really think that kind of maturity that sexual maturity kind of really happened until I was like 24 25 until basically the moment you know a couple of years before I came out when I really realized probably through dating quite a lot and realizing that those relationships always tended to fizzle out quite quickly so I never had a relationship that really lasted longer than maybe two three four weeks and I was always looking for like the exit door reasonably early on always come up with a ridiculous excuse as to why we couldn't work out but you were still putting yourself out there so you were still kind of were you on dating apps or were you just meeting like girls when you were out and about with like mates and stuff or how were those kind of relationships leading up to that that moment 
how are they happening? Mostly through the apps. I think that's typical of like people our generation from our generation, right? I would often like set myself a quota on Bumble or Tinder every night when I got into bed to swipe right on as many girls as I could. And that was kind of an alarm bell to me as well. I'm pretty sure by this point I was in that kind of place that I knew I was gay or I definitely wasn't straight, especially when you're putting quotas on the number of women you need to swipe right on. But most of it was being, yeah, facilitated through apps. I would never dream of going into a bar and chatting up a girl. I didn't never have the confidence for that anyway. Thankfully, I was never part of a group of like laddie lads where we had to go out every Friday night and get on the town and take a bird home, you know. But I think maybe the lack of that kind of social pressure meant that it took me a lot longer to get to the point of realising what it was I really wanted and what all these feelings meant. And I think I definitely sort of put myself in a more comfortable position in terms of having more friends that were girls and being part of, you know, less laddie groups. I think it took away from that need to be overly hetero and manly. If you see what I mean. Yeah. And you talked about having a connection with a friend when you were kind of younger. Did that replicate itself at all with the people that were around you? So you've talked about kind of having more friends that are girls, but did you ever kind of have a a connection with somebody that you thought was something more than friends or was a different kind of feeling? I don't think in between that initial feeling... Was there any a point where I allowed myself to get that close to another guy that, that those feelings were allowed to, you know, happen? I don't think those feelings happened until I started dating men. Because I think for the fear of, I knew what it meant and I didn't really want to let that, open that Pandora's box. And I kind of just suffocated that thought and left it at that. And I sort of obviously misinterpreted in my own mind what these feelings I had for girls meant. And, you know played that game for you know the best part of 10 15 years anyway until I came out and that's quite uh I just have to say that is quite uh that's quite self-aware I think for somebody that young to kind of feel that connection but then no you must have subconsciously known that there was either you felt that it was wrong or there was nothing that you could do about it to kind of suppress that as you went into kind of your your teenage years and and being a young adult as well. I think the gift of time has probably meant that I don't remember lots of the environment at the at, you know when we were in primary school. But I know if, if I was using the terminology like oh that's so gay, all my friends were. Uh, so I think whether it was kind of overt or not, there was definitely a sense where, around that age between sort of eleven and particularly up until your sort of mid teens, where being gay was not cool. Where there were boys in my school who were either out already or quite clearly on the path to coming out, there was, you know, quite a lot of negative energy towards them. And I think, you know, I was definitely guilty of that myself. I was projecting quite a lot of negative energy onto them. But there was lots of locker room talk about those boys. And it was there was never any kind of physical abuse of those boys. I went to a nice school where that kind of stuff was really taken care of very early on. But there was definitely a lot of rhetoric that was not particularly complimentary. And being a teenager is hard anyway, right? Growing up and being a teenager is angsty. It's hard. And I think if you add on to that that you're coming to terms with your sexuality and you're you know you know you're feeling things that you can't really describe or or put your finger on it it's just a cauldron of emotions 
isn't it? And we didn't even go to school in a time where, you know, politically there were things like, you know, Maggie Maggie Thatcher's law about the that you couldn't promote anything gay or you couldn't talk about gay people in school. We didn't go to school in a time like that. We'd moved on from that time. But still, it was just something, you know, that wasn't talked about and it was something that was avoided. But I think without realising our generation was scarred by those kind of pieces of legislation or, you know, whatever else was going on in the world at the time, particularly the AIDS crisis. Because whilst we don't remember those things, the people around us, the people who were influencing us and informing our view of the world were being very, very heavily influenced by that propaganda, is frankly what it was. And I think they channeled that into their youth and their offspring, probably without even realising. And, you know, I, I was reading a really interesting book recently by Walt Odets, and it's called The Psychology of Gay Men. And it talks about the sort of three different generations of gay men. And the latter generation being those who born after the AIDS crisis in the 80s and the 90s. And living a certain lifestyle without realising what's driven that lifestyle. And a lot of it is scars from the past. And I think a lot of gay people, particularly of our generation, live with that. And I think for me, it's a big reason why, or it could be a good explanation as to why we still see people coming out at 26, 30, whatever it is, when people seem to think that everyone's jumping out of the closet at 15 and 16 nowadays, which just isn't the case. As we know, you are an out, proud gay man. What was your coming out process? How did you get to this point? I think the ultimate irony in my story is that, as I've already told you, I started feeling things for other guys, you know, in my early teens, really. But it took me until I was 26 to come out. It was quite a long period of time. But it took me a matter of weeks to tell basically everybody in my life that I was gay. It really didn't take me very long. And it all started probably towards the end of, I think, 2016. I came out in January 2017. And I don't know what sort of possessed me, but one night, I think I was probably just really drunk, I downloaded Tinder. And I'd been off the apps. So I, you know, I was telling all my friends, it's just too hard. I can't find a woman to love me. And I deleted all the apps. And then this one night, I think I'd been on a night out, got quite drunk, come home. And I downloaded Tinder. And when it's asking you to fill in your profile, I was like, well, let me just let me just see what would happen if I put men rather than women in the what you're looking for box. And I was scrolling, scrolling. I was like, you know, obviously three, four in the morning, absolutely battered. But, you know, a bit of a tingle in my stomach that it was a bit a bit of excitement. And that excitement was very quickly killed when I f- came across my friend on the dating app. And I think I sobered up in about three seconds and was like, holy shit. If I can see him, he can definitely see me. So I was panicking like crazy, just hoping that, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't be on the apps at that time in the morning or he wouldn't, he by some stroke of chance, he wouldn't come across my profile. And that led me down this ridiculous path of lying to my friend because I couldn't live with the anxiety. So I had to confess to him that I'd found him on the apps. So I texted him one day and I said, 
I sent him, I don't think I'd taken a screenshot at the time, but I definitely sent him a text and said, by the way, I found you on my app. So there's something wrong with your settings because you shouldn't be coming up with me because I'm swiping for girls. And he was like, oh my God, that's so annoying. I haven't had any matches recently. I bet that's the reason why. And I was like, oh, okay, well, got away with that one. <laughs> and he kind of seemed to believe it. So I was like, oh, whew. the pressure was off at that point. And then actually with the same friend, we always do a big Christmas party and it always ends at this gay bar in Clapham. And we had our Christmas party, Christmas dinner, and I ended up going with this friend to this club that night. And it was just the two of us that night. And he is he is gay and, and openly gay. And we had a really, really great night. And I can remember being in the smoking area with him and him just saying to me, you know, Al, it's okay if you're gay. It really is okay if you're gay. You can tell me, just don't, you know, it's okay. I was like, oh, no, don't be silly. Like, I'm not gay. I'm really happy. I'm just very picky and I haven't found the right girl for me yet and all that usual bullshit you probably hear from some closeted people but all in all it was i had such a great time that night and i was in this club sort of looking around thinking all these people are gay and there are hundreds of people here and they're all having a wonderful time and they all look very very happy and i didn't know why that couldn't that couldn't happen for me and then i can remember being hit on that night by a really attractive person and I, and I sort of batted him away and I said, I'm not gay, but my friend is gay. You can sort of chat with him. He's like, I don't want to chat with him. I was like, oh, well, sorry, I'm not gay. And it was just, I can remember just leaving and thinking, what an idiot. What an idiot you are. You're restricting yourself from so much happiness and so much fun and a genuinely authentic life. For what? For what? And that was probably early December. And then within six weeks, I'd come out to my entire family, friends, everybody. What happened in that six weeks? Because that's quite a that's quite a jump. Because you've done in six weeks what it you know what it takes people a lifetime to do. So what 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 changed? What was the catalyst for that? Well, I don't think I should discount the fifteen years of preparation I had in getting to that point. But that six week period was a lot of me late night on Tinder, Tinder Plus. I discovered Tinder Plus, which was a revelation because it meant that you could hide yourself and only people who you swiped right on could see you and that gave me this sense of security where I could sort of play in the shadows to a degree but still experience a little bit of that life that gay life that I was obviously longing for at that point in my life so I went home for Christmas I always go back to my parents house for Christmas and you know Christmas is a quiet time in the countryside you know there's not a lot to do and I would just frankly sit on tinder all day at my parents house swiping on people you know with tinder plus you could also designate yourself in a certain city so I just whilst I wasn't in London I just said I was in London and you know it's quite fun you know I had a reasonable number of matches and not going to blow my own trumpet but and I had some you know so I was just randomly talking to some people and it was it was really, really exciting. It was, all, it was my little secret as well, which was quite fun. And But then I, I, I got talking to a couple of people who I really liked the sound of and I really wanted to meet. But I knew that I couldn't go back to London and meet these guys without, you know, frankly, without coming out. It would be a bit silly for me to have lived at home for a, 10 days over the Christmas period and then run back to London and now a new man gay and not think there was an... I had to go back at some point to my parents and tell them that. And again, I'm, I, I don't live with anxiety very well. And I'm 
you know, I think that's why whilst the entire time I was in the closet, I didn't do anything with any other guys because I couldn't live with the anxiety of somebody finding out. And I couldn't in this moment either live with the anxiety of my friends and my family finding out that I was seeing guys and going on dates without them knowing what I was up to. So I think I went on a few dates before I told my parents, but well, my family, but I didn't, you know, there wasn't a big time between that. I definitely, I, I think I went back for, for New Year celebrations in London and then within a couple of weeks I went home and I told, I told everybody in my family apart from my dad in one weekend and then I went back to London, I think, that weekend or the weekend after and told all of my closest friends, basically over dinner or over drinks, all in one weekend, just to get it out of my system, just to relieve myself of the agony of and the anxiousness of it all, of all. Going back to dad then, it sounds like he was last on your hit list of people that you were slowly taking out and... Um, and telling, my perception is that often it can be more difficult to come out to the parent that is the same gender as as you. Did you have that experience, and and how did that how did that conversation go? I definitely had that experience. You know, I made a very conscious decision the weekend I went home to tell my family, not to tell my dad at the same time. I mean, they were all at home. I had absolutely had the opportunity to do it. I just chose not to. And I think for me, it was just one step too far that weekend. And as you say, when you need to tell your dad as a young gay man that you're gay, there is something where you fear it strips the masculinity from you. And you really worry about having to tell that to your to your dad. My dad is, he's not a, he's not a blokey bloke, but he's a, he, to me, he's, to me at least, he's a manly man. And he's a, you know, a, a reasonably gruff Scottish guy and, he, you know, in my mind, I've probably always created this persona more of my dad than actually what he really is around him probably being, he probably would be disappointed in me if he found I was gay and I wasn't this sort of this young manly guy. And of course, I was also the only son in the family. So it did, you know, it did ring in my mind a lot that if I, I'm the one continuing the, the Brannan name, you know, I don't have any cousins on the Brannan side. It's me. The name dies with me. And I thought that, ridiculously, I thought that. Um, and I just kind of think that was all wrapped up in dis- disappointing my dad quite a lot. But I eventually I had to have the conversation with him because he could tell I was being really moody when I went home. I was kind of being deliberately offish with him to kind of like distance myself from him. I think it's what kids do when they go to university. You know, the, fir- the last two weeks of being at home before you go to university, at least I did this, where you're just really stroppy and awful because when you have to finally break that like, umbilical cord of being at home, you want it to hurt less. And I think I was doing the same thing to my dad that weekend. I was being really stroppy, you know, kind of ignoring him. I was being a dick, frankly. And my dad noticed it and he said something to my mum. And she, my mum was like, you probably need to tell him because it's quite unfair now. So I did. I left the last minute on the Sunday before I went and got the train home. Very cowardly of me. And... Yeah, I sat him down in his study and we had the conversation. And yeah, it was probably the most shocking, not the most shocking conversation I've ever had, but just didn't, in a wonderful way, didn't go the way I thought that conversation was going to go. I you know, plucked up the courage to sit down and I felt the need to say to him, I'm gay. I think at that point, when I had been telling people about this news of part of my life, I had been using terminology like, I'm dating guys now. I'm going on dates with guys. I definitely wasn't saying I'm gay, 
But with my dad, I felt I had to be really clear about what this meant. So by the point I told him, I was probably a little bit more comfortable with what I was saying anyway, but also I just knew I needed to say those words. And I did that. I sat him down. I said, I'm sorry I've been an asshole for the last couple of weeks. It's, you know, there's something going on in the back of my mind that I really need to talk to you about. And basically, I'm gay. And he looked at me quite, I think, quite astonished. I don't know if he was astonished that I'd said it or that I was it. And he kind of just said to me, and you can do Scottish accents better than I can do (laughs) Scottish accents, Emily. But he kind of just said, well, you had me fooled, son. He had no idea. And the lovely thing about my parents is they're not intrusive. You know, they're not constantly wanting to know where you are and who you're dating and what you're up to. My dad had no interest in my love life. Um, so he was he was kind of never under, he was never chasing or trying to work out what was going on. So it was just, you know, he was obviously very surprised. But yeah, it was, we had a nice little conversation about it. I think it didn't last very long. It was only a few minutes. And then I marched my merry way to the train station and went back to London. And then I can remember being in the gym, you know me, <laughs> and receiving a text from my dad. I was like, oh God, here we go. And my dad never texts me. Well, my dad doesn't really use his phone, but he never texts me, that's for sure. (laughs) And he just sent me this lovely message. And I've actually never shared the message with anybody. I keep it kind of sacred because it's just one of those really special messages that you remember. And he he signed off with love you. And And my dad is not a particularly emotive person. So hearing love you from your dad, particularly when you said something like that, was really affirming for me. I think that was probably the best kind of reaction I'd had to any of it, really. Well, I, for one, am so glad that your Glaswegian father um, had such a wonderful reaction and I can't wait to meet him because I've not met him yet and I really want to. But often, I think, something that stops people from coming out sooner is the fear of reaction. You know, you for you, maybe it was your dad that you were worried about telling and you were wondering about, you know, what the reaction would be. Were there bad reactions? To you coming out? Were there people that maybe you thought would be cool with it, but weren't? There were a few people who I thought would be cooler about it. I would say 99.9% of the reaction was amazing. I was so lucky. I'm still so lucky. I've not come across anybody who's really had an issue. I mean, like they've been homophobic kind of issue. None of that at all, which has been great. I would say, weirdly... The most disappointing reaction I think I had was probably from another gay person who I think they felt quite blindsided and they thought I could have come out sooner and why hadn't I invested in in them and told them that. But, you know, it wasn't my prerogative to tell that person. And, you know, it was for me, I wanted to tell everybody at the same time. I didn't want to live in with secrets and some people know about me and some people not. And I know that's that works for some people. You know, I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> I, I know people who have who have come out to some people and had to segregate their, their lives from other people and sort of put bits of their lives into boxes and compartmentalize stuff because that's what helps them get through. That for me just doesn't work. So when this person was kind of a bit hmm, with me about not coming out. I was like, well, don't make this about you. This isn't about you. Even though you're gay yourself, my story is different to your story and give me the time and give me the respect that I need. But, you know, frankly, it was really negligible levels of 
animosity towards my coming out. So I was very, very lucky. Right, you. Let's take a little break, go and get a lemonade, and then we'll get back to it. We're back. We're refreshed. Now on to one of my favourite topics. I've been dying to discuss this with you for the podcast. Dating stories. Hit me with your good ones. Well, let's not fool the listeners that I've had some sort of Samantha from Sex and the City awakening when I started dating, but I definitely went on quite a few dates. And I'd say... The first day that springs to mind was a day I went on with this guy. He was really handsome. He was a really nice guy. But I can remember sitting at dinner with him, which I thought was quite intense for a first date. But he wanted to go for dinner. And I can remember sitting there and him taking a good 45 minutes to stop talking about himself. And I don't mean that he just, you know, was just very interested in himself. He didn't even ask me how I was when I got there. For the first 45 minutes, he spoke nonstop about himself. And it was quite, you know, I'm sitting as a, just a very newly openly gay man in a restaurant, which is intense enough as it is. Even if I was with a woman at that point, I would have felt under pressure. And this guy is going on and on and on. And I was like, I could be somewhere better than this right now. I really felt like this is not where I want to be right now. But eventually he did, you know, ask. I can't remember what the question was, but, you know, the conversation drifted somehow to me. And yeah, anyway, I didn't see him again after that because I wasn't certain he'd ever stop talking. I was fearful I would literally never hear the end of his story. And that maybe he'd never know your name. (laughs) I doubt he even knows my name now, if I'm honest. But anyway, there was another date where it was kind of the other end of the spectrum, where that guy was very, very into himself. This other guy was very, very into me. In a kind of weird way where he thought a first date was almost akin to an engagement party. And we were on this date. And I can remember, just we were getting on really well. He was a really, really lovely guy. But he, and I can't remember why he did it, but for some strange reason, he got Tinder out on his phone. And I noticed on his Tinder chats that he was talking to one of my closest friends. And I was like, well, that's awkward because you're clearly, I mean, I'm not that kind of guy where you can't talk to anybody else. You can't talk to anybody else. That's not what I was upset about. It was a bit strange, somebody getting Tinder out on a date, seeing a conversation they were having with a friend of yours whilst you're there with them on a date. And I just jokingly said to him, well, that's awkward because I know that guy. He's one of my closest friends. And he was like, oh, oh, he was very, very defensive. And I kind of combated his defensiveness with, well, oh, don't worry. You're not the only person I'm talking to either. <laughs> and the mood in that moment just completely changed. Even though he had his phone there as evidence, that I wasn't the only person he was speaking to on the apps. He kind of just got really cold all of a sudden. He's like, well, that's incredibly rude. I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, that's really rude. Why would you say that on a date? I'm like, well, why would you get Tinder out on a date? And he stormed out. And I never saw him again after that. Super strange. He just cut the date dead there, thinking that I had obviously really offended him. And maybe I did really offend him, but he clearly had such poor self-awareness that he felt it was appropriate to get Tinder out on a first date. Hmm. And then the only other sort of date of significance, I think, was my first date with James, who turned up in his sports gear. James is my boyfriend, for people who don't know who James is. He turned up in the tightest leggings I've ever seen, ready to go to the gym. And he made me meet him in a coffee shop 
right next to his gym. Terrible. But the way I look back on it now is that it was almost as if I went to the market, got three quotes for guys, and then just went with the one in the middle because it felt like the most sensible option. And the middle one was was James. Out of those three, you know, crazies on the spectrum, James is the most normal one, I'd say. And you're engaged now also, just to say. So it pays to go with the sensible ones, I'd say. <laughs> Play it safe. It's 2021. We've covered a lot about your story and we've covered a lot on the podcast. But ultimately, I guess what I want to know is, are you comfortable with who you are? I'm definitely more comfortable with who I am. There is a lot of residual sort of self-hatred, guilt, and other things wrapped up in 15 years of being in the closet. I'm sure lots of gay people feel that way too, even if they're not in the closet for very long. And I do notice myself on sort of a day-to-day basis, I kind of say things or I do things and I put myself down in ways which I think is associated with, you know, feeling like a disappointment, feeling like I'm not normal, feeling like I should be different. And, you know, to, you know in terms of my sexuality and everything else. But on the whole, yeah, it's coming out, you know, gives you the opportunity to discover who you are as a person in every part of your life. It opens a, a wave of creativity, a wave of openness and honesty and enjoyment that you will never get stuck in the closet. It just won't happen. And I'm still figuring out who I am as a person for sure. But I think I know, you know, what is important to me. And that resonates throughout my life at the moment. And it's making, it informs the choices that I make. And I think knowing, you know, understanding and knowing my sexuality plays a big part in that if i've come to terms with being gay i'm not sure i'm not sure if it's something you can ever come to terms with when you live in a world that is built for straight people but you surround yourself with people who are like you you surround yourself with people who care and who don't have any of that kind of prejudice in their lives and actually life's fucking great and whilst you shouldn't need to receive praise from other people all the time to affirm your beliefs or to give yourself confidence i have surrounded myself with people who are good people and who care and are you know have filled me with more confidence over the last few years since i came out and it's given me therefore the right i think to rebuild my own confidence and praise myself and you know trust in the decisions that i'm making because i think a lot of the time when you're in the closet and you're you you build a persona about who you are None of the decisions you make are rooted in anything because they're all fake. They're all based on things you, you're doing for, usually for the pleasure of other people or the fear of being found out or something. They're never really rooted in something particularly concrete or meaningful. And now every decision I make in life, whether it's to do this podcast or the job that I'm doing or <laughs> where I go on holiday, Mykonos, is based on who I am as a person now, not who I think I need to be. And that's the biggest change I think I've noticed. We've looked back quite a lot and we've reflected quite a lot on your coming out journey and kind of growing up, coming of age. What does the future look like for you? How do you, you know, what you've just said is really uplifting um, and really positive. So how do you keep on channeling that? Um, Yeah, what does the future look like? 
if my boyfriend gets his way, the future looks like a puppy. If I get my way, it's a lot more about freedom, I think. That's a weird kind of slightly conceptual thing to say, but I just look, when I look forward to my life, I feel like I have freedom and I have complete control. Whereas before I felt really trapped. I had nothing to look forward to. Everything now is a possibility. And that's really, really, really exciting. So, I, you know, I don't know. It's a big question to say, what does the future hold? I don't know. But I know that everything that happens from now on will be because I want it to happen, not because I feel like I need to do something to please other people. It'll be a decision I make with, obviously, with James and, and consulting with my family and stuff. But every decision I make in life will be from me and for me and not just because I feel like I need to play a certain role in other people's lives. And that in its own right is really empowering and also just really exciting, I think. That leads me really nicely onto my final question for you, Mr. Brannan. What's your advice? for people who have come out, for people that are wanting to come out and for people that are maybe just starting their journey of self-discovery about who they are? What what would be your golden piece of advice for them? My first piece of advice, golden rule is, you will never fulfil your potential as a human. I don't just mean in terms of relationships, but even as a human, if you hold yourself back in any way, shape or form, and being in the closet is holding yourself back. Sometimes I think about what my life would look like now if I'd come out when I was 18, if I'd come out when I was 21. And I don't think I really understood myself as a person properly then. I don't think, you know, I don't, it didn't happen for me at that time because I didn't understand myself properly to be able to come out at that time. But for those of you who know and you're young, as long as you've got the support system around you, don't wait any longer because every bit of energy you waste or spend trying to be something you're not is energy you're not putting into being who you should be and investing in great relationships and things that are going to make you who you want to be. I spent a lot of time pretending to be something I wasn't and I have suffered because of that both mentally but also from a career perspective, I think, from, you know, I have amazing friends but I do wonder who would I have met if I'd come out when I was 21? All those kind of things. So first piece of advice, don't hold yourself back otherwise you will not reach your full potential as a as a human being i think it's a more practical piece of advice the internet is an amazing thing there are so many people now who are very openly gay really open to having a conversation online and i would really encourage young people particularly to use things like instagram use twitter as long as you trust the person you're considering engaging with and opening up to them because i think as soon as you do that and you sort of go through that first experience of telling somebody how you feel, it starts the ball rolling and it makes you feel more comfortable about even entertaining the idea of telling people you really know or just finding an online resource where you can try to understand what your feelings mean or speak to people online who can give you their version of what happened. Things like this podcast, ultimately, try and find content like this which will help you to get some colour around what all these feelings actually mean. And then I suppose in a really cringy way, one th- uh, there's a quote that I will always remember, which my therapist told me. I had a therapist when I first came out and she told me this quote. 
and I'll always remember it, and it's one of my favourite quotes. I think it really succinctly sums up everything I basically just tried to say. And that quote is, let go of who you think you need to be in order to be who you are. Goosebumps, right? Goosebumps. Sounds cliche, it sounds cringy, but I actually think those words really sum up how I feel. Don't waste energy trying to be something you're not. Just be who you are. You're the only person who can be who you are. You are unique and just go with it. Don't waste any more time in discovering who that person is because it's just such a waste of time and energy, ultimately. Just go and be yourself. Go and be happy. And life is good when you come out. Life is great when you come out. So just seize it. Seize that moment and just do it. I love that quote and I might take some of that advice myself. I think in episode two, we might be hearing (laughs) Emily sharing her quote. Might sound quite similar to mine, maybe. (laughs) Run. That's my quote. (laughs) Al, it's been an absolute joy to sit here with you and to hear your story and for you to be so open and honest and share your experiences with us. Some of them I didn't actually know, so we will be having some words after the podcast has done. I've really enjoyed doing it, actually. It's been really, it's like therapy, I think, talking Mm. through it. It's felt really good for me. So thank you for listening. I hope it's been useful for people. And next week, guess who's in the firing line? Hot seat, not firing line. Firing line sounds sinister. Hot seat. It's you, Emily. Okay. Guess we won't be turning up next week. (laughs) (laughs) And if you'd like to share your story with Emily and with me, Please get in touch. Details at the end of the podcast. That marks the end of this episode of The One That Got A Gay. Thank you for listening and thank you for sticking with us. We would love to hear from you if you'd like to get involved in the podcast or if you'd like to share a story or ask us a question please reach out to us via Instagram at the one that got a gay or via Gmail, the one that got a gay at gmail.com. Love you. Bye.